Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of my podcast. You guys, I took down my Christmas decorations and I don't know how to feel about it. Like, I'm both relieved and sad at the same time because this is the earliest I ever took everything down. But I just felt like, you know, I had to do it. I had to declutter. I was overcome by a sudden urge to just put everything away. So I put everything into the boxes and put it into storage. And while I was doing it, I was like, oh my God, am I really doing this? But I kind of had to. I just, I felt like it was time. And again, this is just like mid-January. This is the earliest I've ever done it. And it doesn't feel right at all. I'm questioning my beliefs. Do you know how hyped about Christmas I was? Usually I keep everything out until the end of January, but I couldn't take it anymore. Everything was sparkly and glittery and red and gold and green. And, you know, when I returned this afternoon, I had everything put away already. I returned to my apartment and I entered my living room and I was like, oh my God, this is heaven. It was so peaceful and so calm. I mean, my couch is empty again because usually I put out a very Christmassy blanket that's like gold and red and very sparkly, but I just couldn't do it anymore. And then I looked at my sideboard and I put everything away except for a few candles and like the normal decor I have out. I put out a very beautiful pinkish vase and a little figurine, but nothing is Christmas related. And it just feels amazing. But what is happening to me? I'm usually way more excited about Christmas and I want it to last as long as humanly possible. But this year I just felt like, yeah, you know what? No, I think Christmas is over, even in my apartment. But yeah, you know, I've come to terms with it and I'm ready to accept it. And I think this means it's time to finally move on to today's topic. So you already know what we're going to be talking about. You've read the title. I keep saying this in every episode, but you do. And yeah, we're going to be talking about the opera. I know it sounds weird. What? Why? But um, yeah, I thought it was time to try something new. And because I'm a huge nerd, I actually know a lot about the opera. You know, it was my first love. I mean, maybe actually it was. No, I think my first love was punk rock because I was a huge Green Day fan. But right after that, I fell in love with the opera. So I thought we could try this out too. So this episode is definitely dedicated to people who are starting out, to people who've never been to an opera house before. Um, It's supposed to be like opera for beginners, a little guide to just, you know, make you comfortable with the topic and with opera itself. And I think, you know, when I started out and when I went to see my first opera, I was completely overwhelmed and just super lucky that I saw a good one in the beginning. But I know for a lot of people, it's, you know, like a hit or miss situation. And if they once go to the opera and they don't like it because maybe they chose a really bad one to begin with, this might be the one experience that makes them, you know stay away as far as possible from any opera house, they might never return. And I really don't want this to happen to you because the opera is a beautiful thing, but you do have to get used to it. I would never recommend anyone to start out with something super heavy in a language that you're not comfy with. And all of those things really matter. So I think in this episode, we'll look at what kinds of operas there are, what the opera really is. And you might notice that it's not so different to what what you're usually used to if you like musicals or other shows. So most opera houses also show ballets or musicals. So you have like one house, one stage, and it's used for different kinds of art. But the thing is that I think some people 
throw everything into like one pod and it's just not the same thing. So if you have one of those very weird and negative experiences from your childhood, maybe your family forced you to go to the opera house to see a Christmas ballet or something and ballet is maybe just not for you and you just don't like it, um, don't shy away from anything else that's shown in the same theater because It's not the same kind of art. Maybe also just like the specific ballet wasn't for you. All of those things really matter. This is also why I'm creating this guide so you don't go to an opera that you, you know, that just might not be for beginners. Um, and at the end of the day, of course, it's all a matter of taste and it's just a suggestion from my personal experience. But I do remember seeing some operas and I was like, oh, what what did I do to myself? Why am I doing this? You know, there are so many preferences that make your experiences good or bad. So I just don't want you to rely on past memories that might clout your judgment. Maybe you've grown and your taste has developed and maybe you would enjoy the ballet that you didn't like as a child because I think like forcing your children to sit through a two to three hour ballet or opera, why would they want that? Why would they enjoy that? And there are children who do enjoy it, but I think the average child likes to just like go play outside or do something else. I think it's very hard to just sit still not make any noise and watch something that they might not even be able to comprehend. Again, it's not every child, it's not every parent, it's just, it's a very, very subjective and personal thing. But if you have any negative childhood experiences, just don't shy away from trying again because you might fall in love with ballets or musicals or operas when you're a grown up and an adult. All right, now that we've covered that, I think it's finally time to move on and really get started. So at first I was thinking, why is the opera so special to me? Why is it so unique and why do I like it so much? You know, I'm making a podcast episode about it. I must love it. And I do. And I think that's why it's a combination of many things. So for example, first of all, of course, you have the most beautiful music. There are, you know, like very old operas out there with more classical, traditional and old music, but there are modern operas out there. So you can find them if you're looking for them. It really depends on your taste. But the opera and going to the opera, I think, can also be a special occasion. You know, it could be a date night or an even more special occasion. You can dress up, you get to see amazing performances. I mean, what opera singers do with their voices, it should not be underestimated. It's a sport. It's like running a marathon. It's physically insane. It's so amazing. And I just recently realized not a lot of people are aware that opera singers do not use microphones. They do everything they do without any technical support. Like they do that with their voices and their bodies and just their techniques. So if that's not impressive to you, I don't know what is. And of course, you know, sometimes you can find clips on YouTube or other platforms where opera singers are wearing microphones, but that is usually specific to certain locations or they want to make a DVD out of the performance. So sometimes you do need that technical support. But in a normal average opera house, the opera singers do not wear microphones. If they're in like an open stage, I don't know if you know the Bregenz Festival, for example, this is when they would wear microphones because you cannot 
get the sound across on an open stage. But opera houses are built the way that you can just use your voice and your technique and your bodies to transport your sound. And um, again, this to me is insanely impressive. Right, so maybe it's time to talk about my personal opera journey for a moment. So I saw my first opera ever when I was 15 years old. And I went to a performance of Rigoletto with my grandma. And of course, you know, that's also something that I share with her. Uh, We share a lot of those very specific memories and memories I'm really fond of. But um, I remember it being one of the most extravagant things I've ever seen. And we just went to, you know, our local opera house and our local theater in my hometown. And it's not a big town, so it wasn't a huge production. And um, it still blew me away. I was so in love with the music and the story and the characters. And I think maybe that's why this opera is still my favorite opera ever. I think there's only one other opera that comes really close and I could not really decide now as an adult at this point what my favorite opera is, but this is definitely one of them. And, you know, sitting in this theater and just like watching the singers do that with their voices and and sing those beautiful songs, you know, Rigoletto is one of those operas, you know a few songs from this opera, you know, sometimes it's used for pizza commercials and you're just like, oh my god, why is this actually happening? But it's one of the more famous ones with famous songs. So I knew a few songs, but I was more amazed by the ones I didn't know. And I will never forget this experience. It's always going to be one of my fondest memories. And, you know, I think I've somewhat developed from singing in a choir to enjoying musicals to then finally enjoying opera because, you know, I just made my way through kinds of music out there that are somewhat traditional and more like classical. Um, There are also very traditional musicals out there, you know. I think West Side Story, never forget that it was written by Leonard Bernstein who used opera singers in one of his first productions ever, you know. Um, So it comes really close to what I then enjoyed about the opera. Um, Yeah, so this is my, my personal story. Oh, and I just remembered, if you are interested in the West Side Story production with opera singers directed by Bernstein, you can find it on YouTube. And like, in the beginning of my opera journey, I was so weird. Because I so, so clearly remember that I never really enjoyed men singing. I loved the women. I loved the sopranos or the mezzo-sopranos. I was just insanely in love with them and their songs were amazing. Their arias were so enjoyable. But then whenever a tenor came on stage, I was like, okay, what is this? Um, I don't know why. I still to this day don't know why, but I had to really get just like used to men singing. And I liked the lower voices more than the higher ones when it came to men. Like the baritones, they were, I don't know, it felt more comfy to me for some reason. But I remember those like tenors with their big arias and these were the ones you already knew. Maybe that was also part of the whole situation for me, but I really didn't enjoy it. And whenever I would then listen to a taping of this opera and I would just go online and look for it, I would always skip the male songs, which is just so ridiculous. I don't know why it happened. I don't know why I was like that. 
but I was. <laughs> and I just could never forget that. I also forgot to give you a little disclaimer in the beginning because there will be some Italian terms and names coming up and I will mess them up. Like I will not I will not pronounce them correctly. I mean, I'm going to try, but we'll see how that goes. Um, anyway, so I just thought, just so you get like an overview, there are a lot of different kinds of operas out there, but the most important ones are the tragedy and the comedy. So the tragedy is called opera seria, and the comedy is called opera buffa, or sometimes also opera comique, but I think that's just the French term. So yeah, depends. So these are the two forms you usually encounter. And I think the most unique thing about operas is that usually not all the time, but sometimes or most of the times, dialogue is sung, especially in Italian operas. There are different kinds of operas, again, where this doesn't happen. And I think also in modern operas, it doesn't happen that much. So for example, there is the musical comedy, um, which I think the like the proper German term would be Zingspiel. I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but like the magic flute, one of the most famous operas operas is for example a zingspiel and when I like looked for a translation to English it just recommended musical comedy so I'm going with it um, but there you can find dialogue like regular normal proper spoken dialogue but sometimes the dialogue is sung and to me honestly I just this is something I've never enjoyed about operas because it doesn't really sound good, like there are no like real melodies you can pick up on. And yes, it gets the story along, it is what it is, and it sort of like distinguishes that kind of the opera from the arias and like big musical numbers, but I much prefer operas where dialogue is actually spoken. So it depends on what you prefer, but just be aware that you might go to an opera where they just don't speak all night. And I've already mentioned festivals, so uh, the Bregenz Festival, which I think is one of the most famous ones, but also there is the Salzburg Festival, a festival in Austria. Um, then in Germany, there is a festival dedicated to Wagner, and you know there are also performances in more special locations, for example, in the arena of Verona. You can also find like open-air performances, and it's not a real festival, but it's definitely a more special occasion opera where you do not go to a theater or an opera house um, and you can get the open air old school atmosphere and it's kind of like a concert just for classical music and it's pretty amazing. And I think this might also be the time and place to mention the operetta because I've compared the opera to musicals a lot in this episode, but the operetta actually is the sort of like in-between form between musical and opera. So an operetta is much shorter and much more lighthearted than an actual opera. It also usually has spoken dialogue, but it's sort of like satirical and witty and yeah, just a lighter form of the opera version, but a more classical form compared to the musical. But if you're not sure if you're ready for an opera yet, you might try an operetta and see how you feel about that. 
And also, you know, there are several languages in which operas are written. And I think the most popular ones are Italian, French, and German. But also, you know, I've been to Russian operas or Czech operas or English operas. There are so many languages. Um, sometimes operas are also translated. I'm not a big fan of that. I do understand that you want the audience to understand the plot, but just do subtitles. You guys know. I hate when operas are translated. And it happened a lot, you know, way back when, like a few decades ago. And I've never been to an opera that's been translated, but I've seen some versions of that online. And I just don't like it. You know, I think it's always nicer to stick to the original script and the original lyrics and the original form, you know, it was supposed to be in. And um, I think that the translation sometimes makes the plot and um, the story suffer a bit because you just, with a direct translation that also fits the music, which can never change, it just never works. It just doesn't feel right. So I think subtitles do the trick. They make you understand what this whole thing is even about, but it still sticks to the original way. And yeah, as I said, I think the most common ones are Italian, French, and German. And I think it's time to finally start talking about some specific operas. Right. So if you feel like you're ready, you want to go see an opera, you feel like you can finally enjoy it and you want to start with something amazing so you'll return, where are you going to start? So I thought a few tips and tricks would, for example, be start with a topic or a story you know. If you are into history, for example, you could go see Maria Stuarda by Donizetti, which is about Maria Stuart and her entire story. If you are into literature, you could go see A Midsummer Night's Dream by Benjamin Britten, uh, which is fully about the Shakespeare play. So you cannot go wrong with that. You could also go and see Romeo et Juliette if you are into something romantic by Gounod. It's a French opera and it has beautiful music. So I do recommend that one. And if you are into mythology, maybe you want to go see Orfeo et Euridice by Christoph Willibald Gluck, which you can sometimes find in Italian or in German. So you might also find it as Orpheus und Euridike, but it really depends on the production and probably where you see that. But these are just some examples. And other tips and tricks would be go for something short, go for something light, maybe something funny. And this might make your first experience a very good experience. But if you're into dramas and people dying, I mean, go for it. Go for the really heavy stuff. I mean, no one's keeping you from that. I'm just trying to, you know, figure out some ways where you can ease into the world of opera. But if you want to see people dying and you want the full on dramatic stuff, you do some Puccini. I mean, you cannot go wrong with that either. And I think in general, it's kind of safe to say if you want to start with an opera and you've never heard of anything before 
It's always a safe bet, in my opinion, to start with anything Italian or anything French. Yes, you can find a lot of big Italian dramas, but just go for something that you might have heard once. And if you're really not sure and you really don't know anything, go for something Italian or something French. I think at least you get amazing music, even if the story is really dramatic and you really wanted something lighter. You can always read up on the plot. So if you go to the website of your local theater, just check out the titles that they have, the operas that they will do, and just Google the plot. You know, spoilers are part of the whole thing. Don't worry about it. You sometimes need to read up on the plot. It depends on the production, of course, but sometimes it's better to read up on the plot. So just read through the plot and then decide. But if you go for anything Italian or anything French, I don't think you can go wrong. And to finish off this episode, I thought I would just name a few operas I would recommend for beginners and a few I would absolutely not recommend for beginners because, you know, all of that comes from my personal experience. So do not forget, it's all a matter of taste. It's all a matter of preference and what you enjoy and what you like. But from my own personal experience, let me just go through a few operas which are amazing for beginners, which have great stories or great music, or let me just explain playing as we go along. So the first opera on my list is Carmen by Bizet, Georges Bizet, and it's a French opera, if you couldn't tell. And I think Carmen is one of the best operas to begin with because it has a super exciting story. There's some romance. There are some very exciting scenes. There is usually a death at the end of the opera, which doesn't hurt, you know, it's super dramatic and exciting. And the music is just great. It's one of the most famous operas. It definitely has some songs and you've heard before. I don't think you could have lived your life without anything from Carmen. I think at least in one or two commercials, you've heard it before. And I think it's an overall amazing combination of solid storytelling, solid plot, solid characters, good music, usually amazing performances. I mean, that's probably a given. And um, you can't really mess this up, you know, even if it's a terrible production. I don't think you can really mess it up. Um, at least you get the whole thing across pretty easily. And I think it's very enjoyable if you've never experienced an opera before. Next on my list of operas I would recommend is La Traviata. This is one of my absolute all-time favorites. The music is great. The music is amazing, actually. It's by Verdi. Um, it's one of the most famous operas out there, I think. At least once a season, there will be an opera house near you, which will do La Traviata, and I think rightfully so. It's a very dramatic and romantic story. It captures your heart. The music just supports it throughout. I mean, that's the whole point, I know, but the music is awesome. You will definitely 100% know a few songs from that opera, and it's just an overall enjoyable thing. It does have sung dialogue. Um, Carmen, for example, does not. It has spoken dialogue, but La Traviata has sung dialogue dialogue, but you can suffer through it. It's fine. It's not the obstacle which I would point out, and I don't think it's something that should prevent you from seeing this opera. It's one of my absolute all-time favorites, and this is the only one which comes close to my all-time favorite, Rigoletto, but I think La Traviata is definitely super close. I mean, that has to be my number two, or it might just share number one with Rigoletto. 
Right, my next opera on my list is one I really don't like, but I think it's still a good one for beginners. So here we are again with It's All a Matter of Taste, and it's La Boheme by Puccini. I hate it. I really don't like it. I hate the music. I know I'm not really advertising this really well right now, but um, it is a matter of taste, and I think it's a favorite opera for so many people, and an all-time favorite. You can also find it everywhere. Um, it has some very good music, and there are some arias even I enjoy, but I think Puccini just isn't my composer. I just have to admit it, you know, you can't like everything, and this is the case for me, but it's a very romantic and just like a very tragic story. I think you can easily relate to the characters and the romance and to the loving couple. And it kind of makes you just feel for them. And just getting this feeling while watching an opera, I think this is very important that you just feel for the characters and you can relate and you can suffer with them. And I think La Boheme really makes it easy for you to tag along, to be part of the story and to enjoy it. And in contrast to me, you might even enjoy the music. And I don't know if you've noticed, but so far all the examples I've mentioned are either Italian or French. So I think it's only reasonable to continue with a German one. And my number four on my list for operas for beginners is Die Entführung aus dem Serai. It's by Mozart and in English it's The Abduction from the Seraglio. Um, I think you can kind of guess what this is about uh, now that you've heard the translation of the title. Um, and I think you know why I have this on my list. It's a very light-hearted opera, although it's somewhat dramatic. It's more of a dramedy, so it's a dramatic comedy, and it's super short. The music is amazing. It has two of the most famous arias ever for sopranos. Um, it's really cool. It's very nice. I really like it personally. But again, it's super short. So usually the first part of the opera is like one hour long, then there's a break, and then there's the second part. So that's also usually an hour long. It's a great experience. It's a quick opera evening. Totally recommend that. And my two final suggestions for beginners are two fairy tale operas. So this is not a kind of opera that exists out there. I just summed it up like that because it's literally about two fairy tales, but it's super cute. So the first one is La Cenerentola by Rossini, and it's literally Cinderella. So you know the story, you've heard it before, it's super fun, it's a comedy, the music is great, you definitely know the overture. It's super, super cool, and I highly recommend that. And the other fairy tale opera is Hänsel und Gretel, so Hänsel and Gretel by Humperdinck. And I like it so much because I'm very nostalgic about it. The opera is filled with German folk songs. So these are the songs that we used to sing in kindergarten. And then they're performed by opera singers. And you're just what? You're super amazed by it. So take your children. I think this is the one opera for children even, you know? It's also for adults, but you can definitely take your children. It's no surprise that they usually do performances of that opera around Christmas because it's like family time and you can take your children. They know what to expect, you know? They know the story. They know that there is going to be a creepy witch and they're just prepared, you know? And then on top of that, the music is great. Usually the performances are super, super cute. The way Hansel and Gretel are played by the different 
different singers, usually by two women, is just super lovely. Sometimes the witch is also a woman, but usually it's sung by a tenor, so by a man. And I think that's just extra fun. Uh, it's just on top. It's just another benefit. But yeah, I think it's one of the best opera experiences I've had, even as an adult, because this is just an opera you can simply like, you know, you can sit back, enjoy and just take it all in. And it's somewhat magical, even if you're an adult. Okay, so these are the operas I would recommend for beginners. And then I'm just going to quickly name a few I would not recommend. I wouldn't recommend anything, anything by Wagner. It's too long. It's too heavy. It's just too much. Don't do this to yourself. You'll hate it. Probably, you know, again, matter of taste. But I would presume it's not the opera or Wagner operas are not operas to start your opera journey with. I don't think this is the right choice for beginners. I also wouldn't start with Nabucco, Aida or Tosca um, because they are really heavy. The material is really heavy. They have amazing Italian music and probably also songs you know, but I think they are somewhat heavy. Um, I also don't recommend The Magic Flute. So I'm a huge fan of that opera. I've seen it, I think, 27 times by now, live, performed live in various cities and various opera houses, and I love it. But it's not just long, it's also sort of like like gum. It stretches, like this story just doesn't wrap up. And I love the music and everyone will know the Queen of the Night. But you know, apart from that, there are still three more hours you have to suffer through. If there's a break, and there usually is a break, it's usually a three and a half hour evening, maybe a little more. It's a lot. I don't think this is the one you should see when, you know, you enter an opera house for the first time. Funny enough, this was the second opera I ever saw. And this is how I felt, you know, I fell in love with it. I loved it. I started loving it. I still do, by the way. Um, but I don't think it was a good choice for this to be my second opera ever. Because I sat there and I was like, oh god, when is this ever gonna end? And it just didn't. It didn't end. It felt like it never ended. But then, of course, it did. So I think it's too long. If you just want to see it because, you know, it's famous and you want to hear that song, you go for it. Maybe you'll enjoy it. But I think it somewhat drags on. It's not an easy watch. It's not an easy thing, like a very lighthearted night. Not really. Um, so if you're into it, go for it. But otherwise, I would probably not recommend it. It's not on the top of my list, at least. And you know, I could go on and on and on recommending and trying to make you stay away from certain operas. But at the end of the day, it's your choice. I would just highly recommend if you're into it and you've seen a couple of operas, go check out more modern operas. I've once seen an opera that was called The Man Who Mistook His Wife for a Hat. And it's based on a psychological story by Oliver Sacks and an actual patient that Oliver Sacks treated. And it was just so interesting and also moving. And the music was so nice. And I know it's one of the more modern operas out there. And I hope 
Some theaters pick it up because it's a beautiful, it's a short opera that you would probably love. I really liked it and I thought it was so moving and so I was so emotional about it. So um, you can find anything that you're looking for out there. If you want to go for a very like classical one, maybe do something from the 18th century, go have your Mozart or the 19th century, do your Verdi and all of the other cool Italian and French guys you can find out there, but also try some modern operas. I think you'll love it. I think you'll love it either way. So I think there's nothing else for me to say except go to the opera, people. It's amazing. And thank you for listening. I can't wait for you to tune in next week. Bye.